Okay, as we're racing through our, our series on the unstoppable God, uh, looking at some of the healing miracles of Jesus, getting encouragement, getting inspiration. Uh, I think by now we've, we've got it pretty much sussed, haven't we? I mean, it's, it's, it's quite simple, it's quite straightforward. It seems to be a nice sort of formula that Jesus uses every time, and uh, we just need to go out and do it. I think mean, it's us, really. I haven't got much more to say. Uh, yeah, apart from, I think, as we look today, Jesus just, again, blows it out of the water and changes all our, our understanding and thoughts. So, uh, but let's look at the Word, and hopefully God will speak to us through it. I'm sure he will. Uh, we're looking at uh, Luke 13, uh, verses 10 to 17, which we have up on the board. Thanks, Ben. Uh, and let's read it. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound up for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what he bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted and all the, of all the wonderful things that he was doing. So hopefully this evening we'll be delighted to hear what God's got for us. It's interesting because we looked at a lot of the, the stories of healings and things. Um, it seems that you know, Jesus seems to be quite a regular speaker at one of the synagogues. And we don't know which synagogue this was particularly, uh, where it was, but it just says it was, it was a Sabbath day. Jesus was at the synagogue as if it was a, a regular event now. Um, I was just thinking that that's quite a strange idea when you see the, the conflict that he constantly seems to be having with the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders, that they actually seem to be tolerant of him coming into the synagogues and preaching. Um, I know if we had people that the leadership weren't very happy with, I don't think they'd get a chance to, to stand up and preach. So actually, I'm quite grateful for that. <laughs> so it can't be all bad. But here we are, Jesus is again preaching in the synagogue. And I, I'm thinking, well, how, how come Jesus gets to preach in the synagogue? Obviously, he preaches and teaches in a lot of places. Um, but there always seems to be that tension, that conflict. Um, and I think that's probably what, what it was like. I think there was probably quite a lot of tension and conflict. Uh, the religious leaders obviously didn't really get along with Jesus. They didn't like the things that he was saying. They didn't always like the things that he was doing. Um, some of them seemed a bit more happy with it, and others, as we'll see, obviously weren't very happy with it. But there's no doubt the people, the general population, the Jews, seemed to quite like it. Uh, they marveled at his teaching. Uh, which they, they exclaimed was unlike any teaching they'd heard before. Uh, the miracles he performed, they, they were amazed and wondered at. Um, and so, obviously, it was a big crowd puller. You know, when Jesus was in town, people came. So I'm sure there was that, that tension in the, in the synagogues with the leaders saying, well, we don't really want him preaching, but hey, he brings the crowds in and, and that, that helps the coffers. You know, that, that, that makes us look good that the, the synagogue is full with people. Uh, so there was that tension. So they sort of seemed to tolerate him. And, uh, and here, here we are again. Jesus is teaching 
um, in the synagogue on a Sunday. And it, it just made me think, actually, how would, I don't know, in 21st century here, we, we know that Jesus is with us every Sunday. He's here by the power of his spirit. But if Jesus was physically here with us, how would we feel about that? I think we'd be quite amazed, wouldn't we? We'd be excited. We'd, we, we, we love worshiping in the spirit and, and we know Jesus is with us. But if he was actually here, sitting there on that seat, and he was going to get up and preach... Well, you wouldn't have to listen to me for a start. That'd be one good thing. Um, but I think we'd be excited, wouldn't we? I think if we knew Jesus was coming to, to CCC one Sunday, one Sunday morning, um, there'd be a bit of a buzz. We'd, we'd get all our friends, wouldn't we? We'd say, hey, come on, Jesus is actually going to be here. Uh, and I think, I mean, not that we're anything special here at CCC, but if he decided to come and preach here, I think some of our friends from other churches might sort of come along and say, oh, I think it's a good Sunday to go and, uh, and see what's happening at, at the community church. So I think there'd be crowds here. I think people would be excited. I think there would be a buzz. Um, and I think that's what it was like in the synagogue. I think people were genuinely excited. I think they were expectant. They like, I wonder what's going to happen today. I wonder how it's going to turn out. Um, and I think that the, the leaders were probably a bit cautious, a bit, a bit worried about what might happen. But also, I think they were also looking, maybe that he'll say something that we can get him on. Maybe he'll say something that we can trip him up on and, and accuse him, and then the people will turn against him, and, and we'll be looking good then because we'll expose him. So it's quite an interesting scenario as, as Jesus comes in and preaches um, in the synagogue on this Sunday morning. And uh, it doesn't say exactly at what point uh, he, he, he stops, whether it was in the middle of his sermon or whether he'd come to the end of his sermon. But Jesus was obviously still standing there and, uh, and teaching when he saw this woman in the synagogue who was bent over double. And I think, again, I think, I'm sure Jesus was familiar with the surroundings, probably familiar with quite a lot of the people. Um, I don't know whether he, sort of, he knew the, the woman personally or whether he'd heard of her or whether it was just a spiritual insight. But he obviously knew who she was, knew her situation. Uh, as he said later on, that he, he said that he'd, she'd been um, bound by this spirit for 18 years. So he obviously knew about her, but he saw her there. So, you know, I think, well, he, he may have met her before and he hadn't healed her. But this Sunday morning was, was the day that he was going to meet, or she was going to meet, uh, with her saviour, with her healer, and have her life transformed. And so he called her out. And I was just wondering how, how she would have felt about that. And just, just looking at, at what we know about this woman, we don't know a lot, we don't know her name, um, but it says in the passage, and, and Jesus confirmed later, that she'd been um, ill for 18 years. In fact, it says very clearly that she was infirmed because of an evil spirit. So this wasn't just a normal illness or an arthritis or something, but she was bent over double. And I was thinking about it earlier, I thought, actually, that must be really, it's quite uncomfortable. I tried walking around bent over double for a little while to see how long I could do it. And I did about 18 seconds. I thought, I probably couldn't do 18 minutes, 18 years. This lady was bent over double in the grip of an evil spirit that was, had, had his hold on her. But what do we know about it? We know she was a Jewess because Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham. She was in the synagogue. So again, obviously she was, she was a Jew. She was a part of the, of the community. Uh, I suppose everybody knew her. And you know what it's like, with, with, particularly with people that have been ill for a long time. And I was just trying to put myself in their shoes. You know, she'd been like this for 18 years. And probably when it first happened, I'm sure everybody rallied around and tried to help her. Uh, maybe people sort of, you know, tried to, to heal her or get some doctors to look at her or maybe they prayed for her, I don't know. But obviously nothing happened and time goes on. And quite often for us that can be like that, isn't it? You know, when, when something happens, you know, somebody's ill, first of all, we, we gather around and pray for them. But as time goes on, it can be very, it can be demoralising for those of us that are trying to care and pray for them. But for the person itself, it must be very demoralising as well. 
Well, she got very frustrated, very... Uh, she may have been angry, she may have just been really disappointed all those years, and she was bound up by this spirit. But actually, there was something in there. You know, she was in the temple this Sabbath. She kept coming back to God. So although the, the, the healing doesn't seem to be a result of, of any act of faith of her, she didn't come and ask Jesus to heal her. She didn't say, Lord, I know if I just touch you, I'll be healed, as others had. It didn't seem to be any outward uh, expression of faith. I'm sure there was faith in her heart because she was there 18 years and she was still coming to the temple, still wanting to meet with God. Uh, and this Sunday was, well, this Sabbath, sorry, this Saturday was her day. And Jesus called her out and said, woman, come here. And she must have sort of hobbled up thinking, oh, what's going to happen? You know? And he just said, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Now, the interesting thing that really threw me here was the other times when we looked at Jesus casting out demons or dealing with, with demonic people, Jesus addresses the demon, casts it out, binds it, sends it into a flock of, of, of pigs or, you know, deals with, with the, the demonic issue. But here he doesn't. He just says, woman, you are set free. He declares the truth over her. And I thought, okay, well, that, that blows the theory out a little bit. Okay, if we're dealing with demonic spirits, sometimes he deals directly with the spirit, sometimes he doesn't. Hey, actually, it's the power of Jesus' command that's important. It's the power of his word. Woman, you are set free. What a moment that must have been for her. After 18 years of being bent double, not understanding why. It wasn't a medical issue. We don't know what went on in her life before, what caused it. But 18 long years, and then suddenly with a word from Jesus, she was set free. She stands up, and what does she do? Natural reaction, she praises God. Again, the focus goes on to God. And it, it seems like a bit of an interesting situation. I, I feel really, actually, Jesus was just using her as a sermon illustration. I don't think she minded too much. She was set free and healed. But I think, you know, why did Jesus do that at that point? Surely he could have done it outside the synagogue. Maybe even to save arguments, he could have done it the next day. Uh, that would have saved an awful lot of hassle. But no, Jesus chose that point. He knew exactly what he was doing. He chose that very point there and then to release that woman, obviously to, to set her free so that she could enjoy her healing. But actually, he was making a bigger point as well. He knew the hearts of the Pharisees. He knew what was going on in the mind of the synagogue leaders. And he knew that it would create a confrontation. Uh, and again, it's, it's so interesting seeing how Jesus re relates and reacts and talks to different sorts of people. You know, those of us, or people that we would sort of naturally think, actually, yeah, you need a good, strong word. You know, that, that woman caught in adultery, he should have given her a good old telling off about her, her immoral lifestyle. But no, he spoke to her with such tenderness and kindness. Yeah, he, he said, go sin no more, but there was such love and compassion there in his voice. But when he's dealing with uh, the Pharisees, we see time and time again, you know, he knows their hearts are hardened. He knows that they're, they're full of hypocrisy, full of judgment, full of just wanting to keep people under control so that they could lord it over, so they could um, gain the benefits of being the big leaders. Uh, and that's really upset Jesus, because that isn't kingdom values. That's not what God how God wants people to lead his people. So time and time again, we see Jesus coming against uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders in quite an abrupt, quite a, uh, a, a direct way. Um, and it's interesting, as, as we, we look on, um, 
you know, Jesus did this as a, as a deliberate act, and he did it, I think, to provoke a response. But the response was a little bit of a side, side hand. I think the, the Pharisees, or the, the synagogue leader, was, was a little bit wary. Obviously, he knew of Jesus, knew his reputation, knew how well he was uh, received by the crowds. And so he didn't actually directly confront Jesus, because I think he was probably a bit scared, to be honest. So he actually tried to do a sneaky little side, side criticism uh, and spoke to the people and said, oh, people, you know, you've got six days you can be healed. You shouldn't be healed on the Sabbath because we consider that work and we've made all these rules and regulations that are supposed to bind you up and keep you under our control. And one of them is that you shouldn't do anything that's remotely like work on a Sabbath day. And we consider this to be work because he's doing a work of healing. And irrespective of how good and great it is and wonderful it is for people, you know, you should you can do that on six other days. On the Sabbath, you shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. What complete utter folly. How ridiculous is that argument? They're accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath command that God gave to the Israelites back in Exodus and again Deuteronomy, where he tells them to obey the Sabbath as a holy day, to set it aside, to worship God, to be with family, and to rest as God had rested after he'd done the creation. He rested on the seventh day, but that's where the, the Sabbath rest came from. So it was a day that God knew was good for man. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But the religious leaders over the years had built up around those concepts all these extra laws, all these extra conditions and things you can't do and things you shouldn't do and things you have to do. Really, to, I mean, initially it was to try and put... Um, God's law into context and help the Israelites to understand it and how that worked out in practical practice. Um, I was looking at this, this earlier and obviously you've got the, the law in what the, the Jews call the Torah, the Old Testament, uh, the books of, of Moses. Uh, you've got the Ten Commandments and there's quite a lot of other rules and regulations that God laid down, which were all for very good reasons for the people at the time. Um, and then on top of that, we've got the rabbinic law, which is the law that the rabbis created, which sort of went on top of it and depending on how orthodox a Jew you are, as to how much weight it carries alongside um, God's law. But it was to really express how you should, day by day, work out these laws. And there was lots of things added onto there. And over the years, they just got more and more rules and regulations and legalism and binding up. And, oh, it was a right mess. So the, the, the leader here is, is accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath rules. Well, actually, he's not. He's not breaking God's law at all. He may be upsetting their rules and regulations and stipulations of what they can and can't do, but he's not breaking the Sabbath because he's doing good and he's calling out their hypocrisy. They said, you know, you go and look after your animals and give them water on the Sabbath. How much more should this woman, who is a child of God, one of your own people, a daughter that has been tied up in bondage for 18 years, how much more should you have compassion on her and rejoice that she's been healed? So Jesus is exposing their hypocrisy, uh, exposing their legalism. Um, and we can see really their, their hearts as, as they respond to Jesus. They're, they're upset. They're annoyed, to say the least. Um, and it just gives them more fuel to their anger and displeasure of Jesus, more reasons for them to want to get rid of him. Um, but obviously, with the people, Jesus is popular. The people like it. They think this is good. He's speaking good words. We're seeing him doing good deeds. He's outworking. He's not just preaching a good sermon. He's actually outworking it with power, which can only come from God. 
So the people were loving it, but the religious leaders were hating it. Um, I think, you know, how, how can we apply this to us? I think, you know, in, in the 21st century, you know, we're a charismatic church. We believe in the uh, freedom of, of Jesus as one for us on the cross. We believe in the power of the Spirit. We believe in signs and wonders. We believe in healings, don't we? That's why we're pushing forward. We want to see more and more of this. But actually, I think sometimes we can also just be in danger of adding those layers of a little bit of legalism, a little bit of tradition, a little bit of, uh, oh, we shouldn't really be doing that because uh, it upsets something inside me or, you know, that may not go down well. Um, and I think we don't consciously want to do this, but I think, you know, when we look at our hearts, there are times when we're, we restrict God. We try and put a cap on God. We try and sort of say, that, that, that's enough. You know, I, I can cope with that, but I'm not very comfortable with that. Um, and I know as, as, as we're looking ahead, you know, we, we want to press forward as a church. You know, we want to see God working greater and doing mighty things amongst us. Uh, we want to take the message that Jesus has given us out and bless this town, don't we? We want to see people saved and added. We want to see people healed and set free, do we? Yeah. But sometimes we, we can be a little bit, okay, yeah, I do want that, but actually I'm, I'm not very comfortable with actually going out into Crawley and, and talking to people. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really comfortable with sharing about my faith at work because, well, they might not like it, they might be offended, uh, or might get into trouble. And so, so quite often we can put restrictions and boundaries on ourselves. Um, I'm not saying that we should be insensitive and just you know, upset people deliberately, but actually God's calling us, isn't he, to do his work. He's calling us to a great and mighty mission. Uh, and we need to stir ourselves. I need to stir myself. You know, when I think about going out into Crawley and talking to people, actually, I'd rather stay back and, you know, organise the, the prayer cards or something. Um, but no, I'm going to go. I'm going to take it because we need to step out in faith. We need to get through those barriers. Um, some of us have, that have been Christians for a long time can get quite stuck in our traditions. Uh, even in our charismatic churches, we can still have our traditions and, oh, that's the way we always do things. You know, we're starting a week of prayer which is so important for this church. And we've done it for quite a few seasons now, quite a few, each term we start with a, a week of prayer and it's great. But actually even if we're not careful, that can become a tradition. That can become a routine. That can become something, oh yeah, that's what we do each term. We start with a week of prayer, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I might go along to one or two of the meetings. I might yeah, join in when I can, but actually let's not lose the power of what Jesus wants to do through us. You know, Jesus took a very ordinary situation, a very ordinary person, demonstrated his power in an amazing way that the people were amazed and rejoiced. We want to see people amazed and rejoice at what God is going to do in their lives. And sometimes we need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to ask God for a bit more boldness. And I think as we pray this evening, it would be good just to, just to confess to God if we've got those things in our hearts that hold us back, you know, whether it's our tradition, whether it's our you know, timid nature, our personality, you think, oh, I can't do that, I'm not that sort of person. Well, I'm not that sort of person. Um, but we need to break through that. We need to step out and be bold. We want to take the kingdom for God. We want to take Crawley and give him, give their, Crawley the message of the love of Jesus, the yeah. power of the Holy Spirit, yes. the wonderful gift that Jesus has given for us. Yeah. We want to take that message out and bless people yeah. and see people saved and added and healed and set free. Yes.
Uh, this woman was set free after 18 years. How do you think she felt? Excited. Pretty good. Excited. excited. Yeah. Do we want people out there to be excited? Do we want to challenge people's lives? Do we want our lives to be transformed? Do we want to feel that excitement? Then we need to step out and be bold. We need to confront those things in our lives that are holding us back. And we need to ask God to give us that freedom and that joy and that power to step forward. So I think as we pray together, let's come before God. Let's, let's be honest with him. Let's open ourselves and, and be honest with God. He knows our hearts. He knows who we are. He knows our personalities, the difficulties, things we find difficult, the things we might find easier. But let's be honest with him. Let's come before him and ask him to help us to be the people he's called us to be, to live in the power of the Spirit and to rejoice as the people rejoice when we see God working amazingly. Amen.